Hey guys, thanks for joining in on uh, this new episode um, of our podcast here. Uh, This one in particular, um, I'm going to be covering the uh, March 2nd, 2012 um, historic tornado outbreak um, that occurred, um, you know, just a hair over 10 years ago. Um, this one here, uh, as most of you guys have known me for all these years, um, you know, I'd be the first one to tell you that, uh, this is the tornado outbreak that set the standard for all, uh, future tornado outbreaks, um, to happen in the region. And, uh, so let's dive into a little bit of it here. Um, just to, you know tell you a little bit about, um, you know, what had happened, um, of course, uh, during the afternoon and evening hours of March 2nd, 2012, uh, this historic tornado outbreak occurred in, uh, in and across parts of, uh, central eastern Kentucky. Um, tornado struck Menifee, Morgan, Bath, Wolf, Laurel, Johnson, and Martin counties, ca- causing a combined 16 deaths in those counties. Um, and some of the areas that were hardest hit were West Liberty and Morgan County, Salyersville and McGoffin County, and East Bernstadt and Laurel County. Um, the uh, tornado um, that uh, caused extensive damage in Menifee and Morgan counties was rated an EF3 with winds estimated 140 miles per hour. Um, and now... Um, the uh, tornado had cut uh, carved out areas in McGoffin, Johnson, and Martin counties um, had winds estimated of 160 miles per hour, which was also a uh, strong EF3 tornado. Um, you know, these storms, they also produced very large hail. They've received reports as big as baseballs with extensive damage to trees, structures, and due, uh, and other structures also due to, you know, high thunderstorm wind gusts as well. Um, now, um, in Laurel County in particular, the uh, tornado that moved through uh, East Bernstadt that was rated an EF2 and stayed on the ground for seven miles. Um, guys, uh, normally a tornado's on the mile on the ground for maybe just a couple of miles um, and for about 10 minutes at the most. Uh, these were long track, long lived, deadly tornadoes that day. Um, the width of this tornado was about 310 yards wide. So you're basically looking at a little bit over a football field. Everybody's been to maybe like a high school football game or something. Um, Just imagine three of the lengths of a football field. That alone is uh, impressive. And um, now six deaths unfortunately did occur with 40 injuries and they were looking at $5 million in property damage. Um, And according to what I'm seeing here, they've pretty well been able to pinpoint, um, you know, where this tornado first touched down. Um, Looks like right around the um, Odin Drive uh, and then eventually moving northwest, um, crossing uh, areas like Hawk Creek Road um, and, of course, crossing Wood Creek Lake as well. 
um, I-75, the Bentley Road area. And I mean, this storm, just this tornado rather, just stayed on the ground, you know, crossing Highway 1376, Hensley Road, um, and, and lifting on the other side of Highway 490, um, just north of Murray Cemetery Road. So this was a, a pretty lengthy track um, for a, a tornado. As I mentioned, they're usually on the ground maybe just for a couple of miles to about 10 minutes. Um, and you know, when we kind of look at the uh, meteorological setup for this, um, there was a high risk issued for the area. Um, high risk is where widespread severe thunderstorms are expected. Um, to, they expect the event to be long-lived, very widespread, and particularly intense. Um, now, there's uh, in 2012, there were only four different categories um, for thunderstorm risk. They had uh, just general thunderstorms, slight, moderate, and high risk. Um, nowadays, there is uh, you know a, a, a marginal risk, slight, enhanced moderate and high risk so they've updated things since then but um, back then they just had the um, general thunderstorm slight moderate and high risk um, and now um, the high risk uh, it suggests that a severe weather outbreak is expected from either numerous uh, intense and long track tornadoes and this risk is particularly reserved um, for when there is very high confidence in widespread coverage or of severe weather, uh, such as uh, violent tornadoes or very damaging uh, convective wind events. Um, now, uh, and, and all this information that I have too, guys, is coming from the Storm Prediction Center. And, and their fun fact is the, the high-risk days are so rare that from January the 1st of 2010 to December 31st of 2017, which is seven years, um, and if you break that down, that's a total of almost 2,300 days, the Storm Prediction Center only issued a high risk on 22 of those days. So, as you can tell, it is just something that is not issued very often. Um, so, when you hear of your area being in a high risk, it is at the utmost importance that um, you heed all watches and warnings that day. And, um, and now, when we take a look at the surface analysis from that day, now temperatures were already soaring in parts of the area. Uh, widespread 70s was reported across the state. Um, and even parts of southern Kentucky had already broken uh, record high temperatures for that time of year. Uh, and at that point in time, uh, at the uh, 18Z, which is uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time or noon Central Standard Time, um, the uh, low pressure was located over central Illinois, and uh, a warm front, it was extending you know, eastward, uh, was located um, along and north of the Louisville area, lifting north and northeast. Uh, and the cold front was back across portions of eastern Missouri, slicing through Arkansas down through Texas. Um, and uh, which were all of central and eastern Kentucky, for the most part anyways, uh, was located south of the warm front. 
Um, that's where your moist air mass um, was located, where you know the atmosphere was very unstable. And um, you know, when uh, you had some uh, winds coming out of the south, which was just helping and aiding uh, destabilize the atmosphere, uh, creating that uh, instability. Um, and, and when we look at the different heights of the atmosphere, taking a look at the jet stream, um, you know, at the 300 millibar level, which is quite a ways off the surface, um, the jet stream contained winds of anywhere between 100 and 140 knots, which you're talking like up to 160, 161 miles per hour um, up over the Ohio Valley area. And so that jet stream... Um, it, it developed a pattern, uh, you know, called like ridges and troughs uh, uh, that set up across the area. And, uh, and now when you take a look, you know, at the uh, 500 millibar uh, level as well, um, you know, you had a, uh, let's see here. So we had the uh, strong winds of about 70 to uh, 105 knots. And the low pressure was centered over the U.S. Canada Canada border uh, in in North Dakota, uh, with a positively tilted trough. Uh, the positively tilted trough um, they uh, extend from the lowest pressure northeast to southwest in the northern hemisphere. Um, now, when you're talking about severe weather, um, positively tilted troughs they produce the least amount of severe weather, but it is still possible. So typically, with severe weather, you want to see um, a negatively tilted trough that would allow um, severe weather to uh, occur or, you know, a higher threat of uh, severe weather. And now, uh, people ask all the time, what are the main ingredients that are needed for tornadoes? Um, now, um, they have an acronym called SLIM. Uh, so you got shear, lift, instability, and moisture. Those will give the ideal uh, ingredients for uh, tornadoes. And, um, you know, in wind shear, um, it's the combination of speed shear and directional shear. Uh, speed is the difference uh, in wind speed with height and directional is the change in wind direction with height. And supercell development, uh, which these tornadoes did, did come from supercells, and those supercells are more probable when the shear values are 25 to 40 knots or greater. Uh, and to put that in perspective, Kentucky had between uh, 50 to 70 knots of wind shear, uh, which was a very substantial amount um, and very easily favorable for tornadoes. And... Um, and now um, the next thing was the upward lift and typically for a thunderstorm developed there has to be something that initiates the upward motion that gives the air uh, a nudge to rise you know upward um, and it's the correct uh, the direct result of air density um, and which um, you know sources of lift in the atmosphere can include like cold fronts warm fronts um, and heating of the Earth's surface is a common example of that of a situation that can provide lift. 
And as we were mentioning earlier, most of Kentucky was in the warm, uh, in that warm sector. Uh, the warm front was north of Kentucky, and temperatures were skyrocketing, um, allowing that lift to easily occur. And uh, and then instability. Uh, the air is considered unstable if it continues to rise when given that nudge upward. Um, and now cold, dry air rises while warm, moist air sinks. I'm sure you guys have heard that cold air rises or, or uh, you know, cold air sinks, warm air rises. There you go. Um, and that still, you know, holds true today. Um but when, you know, we look at uh, things like the enhanced Vegeta scale, um, you know, we were talking about that tornadoes. A couple of them were EF3s. That's typically winds up to about 165 miles per hour. And the damage that you see is severe. Um, you can see entire stories of well-constructed homes destroyed, um, significant damage done to large buildings. Homes with weak foundations can be blown away and trees begin to lose their bark. Uh, basically, in an EF3 tornado, if you live in a, uh, like a mobile home, that's, you know, most likely going to be blown away um, with winds up to about 165 miles per hour there. So, um, you know, you're definitely, um, you know, best off in that case having a plan and, um, you know, being um, ready. For something like that, especially if you do live um, uh, in a mobile home, and uh, you know, and, and when we uh, continue to look back, you know, at the event that uh, that occurred, um, you know, it, it was something that was uh, unprecedented, and um, you know, we definitely hope nothing like that happens again. It is, it is, you know, a scary situation for a lot of folks. Um, that's the best thing we can do uh, because tornadoes can happen anywhere, anytime. And the best thing that we can do is just be prepared. Uh, know what to do. Uh, know the differences between watches and warnings and, and things like that. And, and, you know, I already had um, a previous episode going over um, some things for certain, you know, uh, situations that arise um, like knowing a little bit about tornadoes, um, we'd actually touch base on tornadoes, earthquakes, um, and like, uh, nuclear fallout. Um, you know, we wanted to touch base on a little bit of everything, not just weather, but civil emergencies as well. And, um, you know, we're looking into doing a second episode and going more in depth on watches, warnings, and things like that for severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, floods, uh, just things like that. Um, and in the meantime, if you guys have got any kind of questions or anything like that, um, you're more than welcome just to, you know, reach out um, on the Facebook page, Clayton Banks Weather, um, in the comments or in a message. Um, be more than happy to help. Uh, you know, um, in any way that I can, uh, no question is a stupid question. If it's going to help you um, better prepare, better understand um, our environment for weather um, and the risks and how to prepare, um, you know, it's a wonderful question. Wonderful question. Um, and, you know, I, I 
promised myself I wouldn't touch too much on this, but, uh, you know, back when uh, this tornado outbreak was ongoing, um, you know, I was actually actively chasing uh, this outbreak. You know, I was hitting a few of the um, uh, thunderstorms that developed uh, along the uh, warm front as it rose to the north and just really surveying, getting pictures and things like that. But once everything started to break out, I went home. Uh, I was more used to folks, um, you know, spreading the word and uh, doing my work behind the scenes that day uh, as opposed to chasing and, um, you know, that really set the tone going forward that I knew the goal for our Facebook page was going to be, uh, just to not be the biggest, but we wanted to be the best at doing what we did to make sure everybody was prepared and understood the threats, um, of severe weather and, uh, other types of emergencies as well. Um, but Again, guys, I do appreciate you for listening to the review of the March 2nd, 2012 tornado outbreak. Um, unfortunately, uh, I just didn't have a whole lot of, you know, eyewitness uh, accounts to kind of throw into the episode. Uh, so if there's anything else you guys would like to add, feel free to let me know. Uh, the next one we're going to try to cover is the uh, Carnaby Square tornado that hit uh, downtown London, Kentucky. And... Uh, and ravage through the uh, the parking lot there where Big Lots was. Uh, so if you have, you know, any testimony about that, feel free just to uh, reach out. Be more than happy to share some of that information with everyone. But guys, thank you for listening again, and uh, you all have a wonderful day. Take care.